Okay, well, hey, here we are, episode show number 73. I got the coffee out, the notes, and uh, how about the victory? The Jaguars win, I think, for the first time ever in New Orleans. They've been there before, tried to win. The last time they were there, I believe, was in a preseason game where, heck, a couple of years ago, Travis... ETN got injured and, and had that Liz Frank injury and missed the entire his entire rookie season. Times were different in this one. The Jaguars built a 24-9 lead. New Orleans came battling back. The Jags seemed to keep some good pressure on uh, quarterback uh, Carr, Derek Carr, most of the time, or, you know, a good bit of the time. Um, however... Not enough where the Saints, you know, the Saints came back. The the Saints came marching back 24-24. But then Trevor Lawrence, one of my favorite plays in football, I got to thinking about this, and when I visualize it in my mind, is that little pass. It's like you hit a guy in stride maybe, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 yards down the field, and then he takes it to the house. And that's what happened. In the fourth quarter, Trevor Lawrence hits Christian Kirk, maybe, I don't know, 10, 11 yards down the field, and then he takes it the rest of the way. He takes uh, takes it 44 yards for a touchdown. So basically 70 to 75% of the yardage is after the catch. Christian Kirk got the big touchdown. Now, this is really like two weeks in a row where Christian Kirk has, has scored a big touchdown, a 30-yard touchdown uh, catch. Uh, or in, in earlier action in, in, in earlier games, now a 44-yard touchdown catch, you can really depend on Kirk. What does he do? He catches the ball. Yardage after the catch, we've seen it. Especially in the 31-24 Jaguars victory over the New Orleans Saints. Jacksonville Jaguars 31, the New Orleans Saints 24 historic early season four-game winning streak. And this might be the best start for the Jaguars in, I think I heard somebody say, 16 years. Now, last year was not a good start. It was a great finish. The team made the playoffs. They, They won a playoff game, and now they're basically a contender. So is all this for real? Well, the start of this season says it is. Jaguars started out one and two, but now they won four straight. And all of a sudden, they sit at five and two atop the AFC South division. My prediction of the season is 11 and six, or was 11 and six even before the season started, was my prediction. I thought there'd be some tough division games, and the Jags might go four and two in the division. And. Seven and four outside the division. Now, the outside the division stuff is looking pretty good. Like the Jags might be able to get the the seven outside of the division games. Um, the Jaguars' own victories, you know, over Atlanta now, over New Orleans, from the rough and tumble NFC South, right? Jags play in the NFC South. They've already you know, cut Atlanta down to size, 23 to 7. When you beat a team on the road, it doesn't really matter how many points you beat them by. If you beat a team on the road, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And against that defense, New Orleans has a good defense. Now, 
the Jags had a lot of guys injured, but hey, the Saints had even more people on their injured list than the Jaguars did. Thus, the Jaguars built a 24-9 lead. Everybody says, man, the Jags should have beat them by worse than 31-24. Well, maybe, but this is the NFL. The games are kind of, kind of des- however they do it, games are kind of designed to you know, have that fourth quarter finish and that, that beautiful touchdown pass, which was kind of like a, I don't know, a 10 or 11-yard pop pass. Over the middle to Christian Kirk. He kind of caught it in stride and took it to the house, 44 yards for a touchdown. Great play, by the way. And McManus added the extra point. Jaguars got the lead. Then there was a fourth down stand. I saw some good play by Buster Brown, who was filling in for Tyson Campbell. I guess our top three guys, we we were discussing this in the Facebook group. Who, Who are the top three guys on defense? for the Jaguars in the last game. I mean, Josh Allen played played really hard, played well. We'll get to some stats here in a little while. Josh Allen played hard, played well. Uh, Olakon, Olakon, the linebacker. Olakon, the linebacker for the Jaguars, who's actually been, I believe, the leading tackler in the NFL for the last two years. His last year with the Falcons, his first year with the Jaguars. He is no fluke. I saw him literally stone a running back. When the running back got the ball, and I can't remember which guy it was for New Orleans, but I'm going to tell you right now, Foy Alakun stood him up, actually did more than that, stone the running back. He is a pure tackling machine. Olakun might have to be the top defender when I saw him, the way he stoned that guy. But how hard and how well Josh Allen is playing, he's like 1B. Okay? So we're going to throw kudos out there to Olakun. You could throw kudos out to him almost every week. He's consistent. Uh, probably will end up close to being the leading tackler in the NFL again. You got Olakun. You got Josh Allen. I think Dewan Smoot played a great game. He's only like back in his second game since the long, you know, the long time, the long hiatus. He was out um, due to a pretty serious injury. He got late last year. It was the Achilles injury, right? Where he, you know, basically, what did he do? He tore his Achilles or something worse than that. Now he's back playing through the the uh, miracle of modern science. They didn't have that back in the day. That's why Gail Sayers' career ended so early. So you're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast, Jaguars on top of the Saints, Jacksonville Jaguars 31, New Orleans Saints 24. Trevor had a pretty good game. And, you know, he's, I guess, really, when you think about it, Trevor played with a brace, played well, showed some, uh, he was still mobile, still running around running the ball for yardage, throwing the ball well. Again, we'll take a look at the stats. We do want to talk about our, our sponsors, though, Saucer Realty and Capital for your real estate needs uh, throughout North Florida, whether it's home, residential, business, or commercial real estate. Larry, my, my good friend, we went to we went to high school together. And, uh, you know, what a, what a great guy. I always said Larry should get into politics, and then I thought about it. No, he's too honest for politics. He's a great guy to know for real estate. 
also evaluating property. He has done land appraisals for years and years and years. He kind of came up doing land appraisals. He has a real estate company, so he's he can help you buy or sell. You want that second home, that first home, you want to sell your home or business or property, contact Saucer Realty and Capital. The best way to find them is go to our website at bigjreport.com and simply scroll our homepage down to the 24-7 North Florida weather information. Man, it's been cool this week, hasn't it? It has been absolutely cool. We had 48 a couple of mornings. I think 53. We did have 53 uh, one morning. Not quite as cool this morning, although Brunswick, Georgia got down to 58, Jacksonville 62. Not quite as cool on Saturday morning, October the 21st. I started doing this podcast like Friday morning, and I'm doing the podcast, and I'm doing it for 9, 10, 11 minutes, and you know, I flip over to the stats, and we're going to talk about the stats, and all of a sudden... I do the, you know, I do the show on my, my laptop with our, you know, with our Blue Yeti mic. And all of a sudden, the computer wants to do an update. And everything freezes up. So we lost, like, at least an eight or nine minute segment on Friday morning. So now we're back doing this thing on Saturday morning. We do have the high school football scores also. Now, Ed White, my Ed White Commanders beat Rebalt. Ed White Commanders 28 Reball 20. I think Lakeside School might have had the week off because I cannot find their score. I'll have to check with Mad Max on that. Yavala um, won. They beat Rehoboth over in Alabama. Uh, Camden County battled Valdosta in high school football. Valdosta in South Georgia won that one 24-21 over the Camden County Wildcats. We got a lot of high school football scores. We'll talk college football. And we're talking the Jaguars, Saucer Realty and Capital, one of our sponsors of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. And, of course, the big thing, BigJReport.com. Also want to thank Lake Eufaula Hits, great internet radio, where it is absolutely all good. You know, Rock Saturdays. Hey, today is Saturday. Rock Saturdays. Check it out. And also now you're getting spoiled because you've got Midnight Rock. Almost every day, almost every weekday night, you got mid midnight rock, one o'clock a.m. Central. That's uh, well, it's wait a second, it's midnight Central, one o'clock a.m. Eastern. Midnight rock at LakeUvalahits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. My favorite late night radio guy. Back in the day when I got it, when I first got into radio, it was probably a guy called Bouncing Bob Martin. Bob Martin, who did um, a late night show on the old Rock 95, and I was working at WJX Radio at the time, too. What a great experience for me. The radio days were phenomenal and outstanding. I did a sports talk show at WEXI back in the day. Afternoon drive sports talk show. I did a morning show, which was, you know, music and sports and stuff like that at WJX back in the 80s. So I spent, and then we did radio in Georgia and Alabama. So we, we basically spent a good 20, 25 years or longer in terrestrial radio. Now we're doing this podcast. We're brought to you in part by LakeUfallHits.com. Great internet radio 
where it's all good. So we love talking radio. Some of it now comes off the internet. Some of it comes off the radio towers. But LakeUvalaHits.com, great, great music. Uh, those recognizable hits can still be heard out there in radio. Monday, internet radio, Monday through uh, Friday from morning till afternoon. Hits 2000s, Monday through Friday nights at LakeUvalaHits.com. Great internet radio where it's all good. Rock Saturdays and now the newest thing, Midnight Rock. At 12 midnight Central Time, 1 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. Midnight Rock. Also, the XFLToday.net. Check it out. Man, the XFL is getting ready to merge. It, it appears with the USFL to create one big spring league. Are, are they still going to have all the franchises? My, my, my hope would be that they would keep the iconic names, XFL and USFL, but have two different conferences and, you know, let the XFL teams play each other. Let the USFL teams play each other. And then just have one big championship game at the end. I'm sure they'll probably have at least four teams in the playoffs. But that's kind of my that's kind of my feeling about it. XFLToday.net, you can review the entire 2023 spring football season. I think I think most most of the scores are in there, even some videos, some articles. And there'll be more coming to xfltoday.net. Check it out, xfltoday.net, one of our sponsors here along the Teal Shirt Report podcast network. The Mad Max Mix. You know, I talked to Max the other day. I didn't get a chance to be interviewed uh, with Max. I kind of came in came in late in his show, and I think we're going to do the interview on, the, on his next show. I typically get interviewed by Max maybe once a month, twice a month. In, in that area, and we talk sports, talk music. Max did play some request requested songs for me from me last Wednesday. Atlanta Rhythm Section, a couple of songs by them. I then I heard I heard Max play "All Night Rain" by ARS, um, and then he played what was it, uh, "Doraville"? Great classic song by the Atlanta Rhythm Section. Most of those members of the original group, sadly, have passed on now that's a group that i really was fond of in junior high school part of high school and then i met all those guys when i got into radio i met them years and years later up in up in alabama actually so that's quite isn't that something to really be like a fan of the group when you're really really young 12 13 14 years old and then meet the guys later i met almost all of them a lot of them have passed away now barry bailey I met Ronnie Hammond. Ronnie Hammond signed one of my ARS albums twice. Sadly, he passed away a few years back. Um, so Max, and then Max plays a, a couple of ARS songs for me. And then all of a sudden he breaks into Leonard Skinner. Ooh, that smell. What a great show. Check the Mad Max Mix out. MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. Max does have his own website madmaxmix.weebly.com an easy way to find it though is go to bigjreport.com bigjreport.com you'll find an article about max in our outside the box section in the concert area in the neighbors two section you will actually uh, find a link well you'll find a link in the outside the box section and the neighbors two section near the concert listings in the neighbors two area a bigjreport.com. Did we hit all the sponsors? That's right. Uh, 
we are talking about social reality and capital. LakeUpalaHits.com, great internet radio where it's all good. The XFLToday.net and the Mad Max Mix. Weebly.com. We'll talk more about the Jaguars high school football on the agenda, North Florida Entertainment, and the Gators get a week off in the SEC after disposing after disposing of South Carolina. I got a story for you guys about the the Florida win over South Carolina. We'll talk about that. Alabama won. I tell you what's a scary game for Florida. Sometime it's after the Georgia-Florida game, I think a week after the Georgia-Florida game. Florida will play Arkansas in the swamp. Arkansas is a scary team. They got a kind of a bad record, but they're a better team than their record. They lost to Alabama by three points. Pittman is a good coach at Arkansas, former offensive line coach, I believe, for Georgia. And Sam Pittman is a good coach. I hope he doesn't get fired at Arkansas, but you know how college football is now. You know, what have you done for me lately? You have a bad season. You might be out. Mike Leach passed away last year at Mississippi State. Great coach. Really miss miss Mike Leach. And apparently Ole Miss, Coach Lane Kiffin and, and Hugh Freeze got a little rivalry going. Got Ole Miss and Auburn coming up. That's going to be pretty huge. I believe that game's today on uh, Saturday, October the 21st. So we're going to talk college football, high school football, more Jaguars, North Florida Entertainment, and more coming up on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. Let's hope this this segment processes properly and doesn't fly into the abyss like some have. Hey, glad you glad you guys are tuning in. Special thanks to LakeUpalaHits.com. Great internet radio. I'm telling you, it's all good. Saucerility and capital. For your real estate needs in North Florida and surrounding areas, the XFLToday.net and MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. Internet radio. Internet radio Wednesday night music request show with Mad Max at MadMaxMix.Weebly.com. We got more coming up. Stand by and stay tuned. Here we go. Episode show number 73. Absolutely continuing now. That hey, that first segment's in, in the can good. I did I did double check it. Thank you guys for tuning in. We're brought to you by Saucerility and Capital, Lake Uvala Hits, XFLToday.net, and by the Mad Max Mix, Weebly.com. We're gonna check some, yeah, we're gonna check some stats um, in this game. By the way, the Jaguars defeated the Saints 31-24. Jaguars got on the board first, and then the Saints kicked a field goal later in the first quarter. Jags had a 7-3 lead after the first quarter. Jags added 10 points in the second quarter. Saints kicked another field goal, I think, toward the end of the the second quarter. And all of a sudden, the Jaguars had a nice 17-6 lead at halftime, but the Saints battled back. Jags did get the thing up 24-9, and... We're gonna we're gonna take a look at some stats. I know we got some stats uh, on the game between the Jaguars and the Saints. Jaguars win thirty-one to twenty-four in New Orleans over the Saints. And yeah, let's go ahead and pull up some stats that we do have. I, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, man, his mobility was still good. 
the injury, what did they say the injury was? A badly bruised knee. Um, John Gaylor called it something else, a heavy, heavily bruised knee, I believe. Uh, and then I, I think I heard somebody else on TV describe it as something else. It was basically a knee injury. It's a bad bruise. Um, Trevor had pretty good mobility with the brace on, threw the ball well, threw that 44-yard touchdown pass to Christian Kirk in the fourth quarter, which turned out to be uh, the winning touchdown. I am, as you could probably guess, I'm attempting to bring up the stats. So we're going to bring up the stats uh, in the Jags game uh, with New Orleans. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, the Jacksonville Jaguars, beat the Saints 31-24 to on Thursday night football. Late TD pass, goal line stand, sealed the win. I thought Buster Brown played played well, filling in for uh, Tyson Campbell for the most part. Olakon, I saw him stone, absolutely stone a running back. Uh, Josh Allen played hard, played well. Uh, Dewan Smoot, a guy coming back from the injury. That he had last year, the, uh, the the I guess it was a torn Achilles injury. And that's a long injury. I mean, uh, being out a long time. I think he got hurt, was it last, I think it was last November, early December. The injury was, you know, toward the, the end of last season. It was still, I think maybe there was still maybe at least three or four regular season games left when Smoot got hurt. Might have been more than that. Smoot is back now. He did return the last game. Didn't play much the last game. Might have played, I think John Giller told me he played, what, maybe 30% of the game. So it looked like he was out there a little bit more this week. And, you know, as long as he, you know, keeps improving, stays healthy, is able to go, Smoot's going to get better and better coming off that injury. Man, the guy the guy plays hard. He's got heart. Dewan Smoot. So I've got to say, Olicon. Josh Allen, Dewan Smoot, and I'm going to even throw Buster Brown in there, too. He's playing pretty good on defense. I mean, the whole defense collectively played played pretty good. Um, the Jags win the game 31-24. We've been seeing some good play also. I'll throw Darius Williams' name out there, um, the other cornerback, uh, although Buster Brown was actually filling in for uh, Tyson Campbell, probably the Jags' top cornerback. And Tyson Campbell may be one of the top 10 cornerbacks in the league. I talked about the draft in 2021. I believe Urban Meyer picked most of those early round draft picks. Every, you know, every GM in the league, at least 31 out of 32, they were going to pick Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick if they had it. Travis Etienne, I was, I was told by a source that that was an Urban Meyer pick. I have no doubt in my mind that the Tyson Campbell pick was an Urban Meyer pick and probably the Walker Little pick as well. The draft in 2021 was very good. Urban Meyer knew football. He didn't last as a Jaguars head coach, although I think he coached well in a couple of games. But there were downfalls to Urban Meyer as a head coach, and obviously he found himself out with a bad record before the season ended in 2021. Enter the next year, Doug Peterson, Maybe that's what the Jaguars needed. Doug Peterson, a, a guy that's an experienced NFL coach, won a Super Bowl, pretty good at play calling as OC's making some of the play calls too. I guess they're kind of working together, Peterson and uh, Press Taylor at this juncture. And I really like the play call on the pass play to Christian Kirk when he took it 44 yards 
for a touchdown. What's a bad play call? One that doesn't work. What's a good play call? One that works, right? That's kind of how it comes down to your listing to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. I am looking for I'm looking for the stats uh, of the Thursday night game. So let's see if I can pull up the stats. You know, there's a lot of people that put out stats out there, and then I pull them up, and I don't like the way that looks. Let's see if we can let's see if we can find some um, some good stats uh, from the game and go ahead and pull them up. Um, the Jags looked good. Boy, Christian Kirk, the winning touchdown catch. You know, after a lot of speculation on playing status, quarterback Trevor Lawrence led the Jacksonville Jaguars to a 31-24 win over the New Orleans Saints on Thursday at Caesars Superdome. Did you know it was known as Caesars Superdome now? I was looking at an article by Michael Duraco and Catherine Terrell, and um, and actually, I think that may have been maybe they were talking on a podcast also, but um, you know. And then there's a lot of people, and I will, and I'm looking at the play right now. Let's pull up the play. Is that there's Kirk scoring, and it's a little different than I remember. Let me take a look at the play here. Yeah, it's about a nine or ten yard pass play over the middle. Uh, number thirteen, Christian Kirk, kind of ran to his right and then just ran down the sidelines uh, for the touchdown. I'm looking at the play again. Pretty good uh, offensive line uh, protection for Trevor. Trevor got it out there nine or ten yards, and Christian Kirk, quite frankly, did the rest. There were a couple of Saints missed tackles. Looked like um, Jamal Agnew was down there near the goal line trying to throw a final block, and I believe he did somewhat, but I think Christian was already getting in the end zone at that point. I think Michael DiRocco and Catherine Terrell, that was some type of uh, podcast near the article, actually. Um, so what I'm doing now, I'm looking for some stats. The Jags are actually 5-2. and two. There was some talk about six-year linebacker Voisade uh, Olakon. The six-year linebacker led the NFL in tackles the last two years. And this guy works hard in the offseason. He, he he had a goal of making big plays, more big plays in the offseason. This guy, apparently, he works really, really hard in the offseason, too. Tackling machine. Again, I saw him stone a running back. I think I've said that for the second or third time, but I was so impressed, um, you know, with that particular play. The Saints do fall to... What is it, three and four now? The Jags are five and two. I'm still in search of some some stats. I did find my college football pool. We could go over that. I was pretty good picking the pros, 11 and five against the spread last week. That's not going to happen every week, obviously, but we'll take a look at some of the games, you know, how I like them, who I like. Florida doesn't play this week. Florida and Georgia are both off as they're getting ready for the the world's largest uh, cocktail party here in Jacksonville, Florida. I'm going to I'm going to attempt to find some stats I can work with and we'll talk about the stats. Uh North Florida Entertainment talk college football and high school football as a teal shirt report podcast continues. Thank you for listening.
Okay, here we are. I think I found some stats we can work with from the Jaguars' 31-24 to victory. The Jacksonville Jaguars, 31, the New Orleans Saints, 24. I believe we found some uh, some stats we can work with here. Let's pull up the stats. Trevor Lawrence coming off a uh, heavily bruised knee or badly bruised knee. Let's take a look. Trevor played, still played well. He played very similarly to the way he played the week before in the victory over the Colts. Not a lot of yardage. Pretty good percentage on the passing, and but no interceptions. That's, that's a cool thing about this game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, 20-29, 204 yards passing. In the early days when he had the bump and run coverage back in the 60s and 1970s, 204 yards was pretty good. <laughs> now they want you to throw for 300 or 400, like Graham Mertz did for Florida uh, last week over South Carolina. We're going we're gonna to talk about that game in a few moments too. Trevor Lawrence, 20-29, uh, 204 yards, one touchdown, but critically no interceptions. No sacks on Trevor, even though the Jags have been kind of having to makeshift the offensive line. Walker Little has been out, and they've had to move some guys around across the offensive line. Still no sacks on Trevor. The Jaguars got one sack on Derek Carr, but to me it appeared like they they were pressuring uh, Derek Carr more than, you know, they only got one sack and they should have got more. Um, Trayvon Walker. They got to push him inside a little bit more. I, I just you know, where he's playing. If you call that outside linebacker or left in, where he's playing way out on the left side of the defensive line, he's just not. He's just not very productive. I look. I watched him for a long time. He's just not getting anything done. Uh, he's got to be utilized a little bit better by the coaching staff. And Trayvon has got to make it happen. He's a strong guy, got some speed, but. Man, he's he's not getting to the quarterback most of the time. Um, let's take a look at some stats here. And, and, you know, I think Trayvon will come on and prove and get better. That's the hope. I mean, you're talking about a number one, a numero uno, number one draft pick overall. Uh, the year after Trevor was drafted, this is uh, Trayvon Walker's number 44 second year in the league. So he's not he's still not played that many games. He's just into his second year and it's you know early in his career, but man, he's got to turn it up a notch, maybe a good notch. What was that old saying? When you talk about a friend you haven't seen in a while, it's 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 uh it's been a minute. And I know up in Alabama I used to hear him say, It's been a minute. And then if you haven't seen somebody in a long time, it's been a good minute. So the guy has got to. The guy has got to work hard. I'm not saying he's not working hard, but we got to see some production on the field. He might be clogging up some lanes or whatever, but Olakon's making the tackles. Uh, Josh Allen's playing hard. Uh, we'll talk about the defense more in a moment, but let's talk about Trevor Lawrence again. What about Logan Cook, the punter? Did did anybody know he was left-handed? You know, he obviously kicks with the right foot. He's a, he's a pretty good athlete. Logan Cook all of a sudden receives a punt from the long snapper. He fakes the punt. He throws a first down completion. He's one for one on the night. And, and his quarterback, his rating, he's not a quarterback, but his passer rating is higher than Trevor Lawrence. One for one, uh, 13 yards on the play in the first down. Logan Cook, the punter, 
one for one, 13 yards. He had a rating of passing of 118.8. Trevor was right around 100.4. QBR for Trevor was 84.1. But it was, you know, Trevor had a much better night than Derek Carr. Derek Carr had an interception that came into the mix as well. Let's take a look at rushing. Trevor Lawrence with a with a bad or badly bruised knee, eight carries, 59 yards. He was the leading carrier for the Jaguars. Travis Etienne, 14 carries, 53 yards. Thing Bigsby, two carries, two yards. Calvin Ridley got the ball once for nothing, zero. Uh, Jamal Agnew, one carry for one yard. Uh, I noticed that my my brother, my brother, and bought a Calvin Ridley jersey. I saw it, number zero. And Ridley, man, he can make big plays. He is fast. Um, I'm not going to give you all my feelings on Ridley. I could, but I, he's, I think he's still got a lot to prove overall, on especially being a number one wide receiver. Um, Christian Kirk has made some big-time plays in the last couple of weeks. Six receptions. Kirk had 90 yards, 90 yards, receiving six catches, 90 yards. One touchdown, it was a 44-yarder. Evan Ingram had some good catches in this game. Five carries, 45 – I'm sorry, five receptions for 45 yards, 9.0 average. He's normally around 10 or 10.5 on his uh, yardage per catch. Jamal Agnew, four catches, 36 yards. I just don't think Jamal Agnew's a wide receiver in the NFL. Not even a slot guy. I think you, you do end of rounds with him, you know, maybe uh, some gadget plays, but let him return punts and kicks because he makes me nervous with the ball a little bit, and I'm, I'm not sure his, his, pals, his pass route running ability, I don't think it's top-notch. He needs to improve that if he's going to actually be a wide receiver. Travis Etienne, man, I love it when he gets the ball because he's got speed. He reminds me of the old Mercury Morris that played for the Miami Dolphins. He reminds me more and more of Mercury Morris the last couple of weeks. Travis Etienne, three catches, 24 yards. Tim Jones came off the bench, a couple of catches, 17 yards. And Ridley, one reception, five yards. Now, I mean, I can voice my my displeasure in Ridley. I think he's fast because he's, he has big play potential. But we're not seeing it every week. I don't think you see it from every wide receiver every week, unless the guy's name is Jerry Rice, maybe. Jerry Rice is long retired from the NFL, but Ridley's got a long way to go. Christian Kirk has been the big-time play receiver with two touchdowns in the last two games, one for 30 yards, one for 44 yards. Uh, Christian Kirk did fumble the ball, lost one. Um... Devon Campbell fumbled the ball, lost it. Jags lost a couple of fumbles. Derek Carr fumbled. Looks like he didn't lose it, though. Um, the Saints were fumbling the ball about three times. Hmm. I don't think the Saints ever lost a fumble, though. But let's see. As far as the interception goes, one very critical interception by Derek Carr in the game. Um Michael Thomas had a touchdown catch, the veteran wide receiver for the Saints from Derek Carr. Um, Let's take a look. I know that, um, you know, Tyson Tyson Hill, a guy that can line up and 
play quarterback at five carries for 18 yards. So he's one of the backup quarterbacks also, but he gets in there and plays a little running back or receiver or slot guy or what have you. Um, let me, let me, let me kind of focus in on the defense right now for the Jaguars. Ola Khan, again, another big night, 14 total tackles, nine solo tackles. Devin Lloyd back playing now after some injury issues. Lloyd had 11 total tackles. Five solo tackles, so a good night for Devin Lloyd, Rayshon Jenkins. Rayshon Jenkins is a guy that quietly gets a lot of tackles. Rayshon Jenkins, Jaguar safety, nine total tackles, three solo tackles. Trey Herndon played. I mean, Tyson Campbell didn't play, so Trey Herndon's going to get a little more playing time with Campbell out. Trey Herndon, seven, seven total tackles. That's pretty good for Trey Herndon. Five solo tackles. Give him credit. Angelo Blackson quietly goes about his job. He's more of a rotation guy that comes in. He got six tackles, five solo tackles. Andrew Wingert, Dewey came off. I want to say Dewey came off the bench, but, man, Dewey's playing a lot. Played special teams, too. He got a nice new contract in the offseason from the Jaguars. Uh, Dewey Wingert, Andrew Wingert, uh, five total tackles, four solo tackles. Monteric Brown, who's also known as Buster Brown by me and many other people. Buster Brown, four total tackles, three solo tackles, had a very good um, defending play. He, he defended the pass well on the wide receiver in that last critical drive where the Jaguars did stop the Saints on fourth down, uh, where the Saints were trying to score to, to actually even the game up. We could have gone into overtime, but the Jags' defense had a nice stop at the tail end of the game. Let's see, uh, Jeremiah Ledbetter, three total tackles. Dewan Smoot, two total tackles and two solo tackles. Adam Gotsis did the same thing, two tackles, two solo tackles. Those are rotation guys that play hard right up the middle of the line. Roy Robertson Harris, two total tackles, one solo tackle. Let me see, Josh Allen had three quarterback hits. Now, there was only one sack by the Jaguars' defense, but Josh Allen still had three quarterback hits. They were keeping the pressure on Carr. Dewan Smoot got the sack. Probably one of my favorite players on the team, man. This guy plays hard, has heart. He was a third-round draft pick. There's no doubt in my mind Tom Coughlin made that pick. I don't think Dave Codwell made that pick. That was Tom Coughlin's pick. Third round got Dewan Smoot. What a great draft pick that was several years ago. And now Dewan Smoot, I believe he's on like his third contract with the Jaguars. Um, so we roll down the list, Josh Allen, two tackles, uh, one of them were solo tackles. Josh did not have any sacks in this game, but he did have three quarterback hits. Dewan Smoot had the sack for the Jaguars. Then we go down, and this is the thing that really concerns me. Trayvon Walker, one tackle in the game, no solo tackles, no sacks, no quarterback hits or anything like that. Trayvon Walker was really pretty much a non-factor in this game. Andre Sisco got banged up. Um, I think it was in the second half. He got banged up a little bit. He had two tackles. Uh, one was obviously the uh, – he had a solo tackle. So I'm just going to give you my opinion. I was not bowled over by Trayvon Walker. I watched him for several plays, and I said, man, he's not even getting to the ball. He's playing the guy. I think the Jaguars coaching staff have him playing way out on the left end, or maybe they call that the outside linebacker. I mean, they got to have him up on the line of scrimmage more. 
playing that left and he's getting lost out there. He's not, he's not, there's no production. There's no production, no tackles. There was one tackle. And that's just my opinion because I think the guy's got a lot of talent. He's got a lot of speed. He's a very strong player. I can't really complain a lot about Trayvon Walker, but I have, but, but I can't because we won the game. Jacksonville Jaguars 31, New Orleans Saints 24. So that's a look at the stats, and I'm just kind of telling it like it is. I want Trayvon Walker to get, you know, one, two, three sacks a game. It's just not just not happening. Dewan Smoot, a guy with heart, plays hard. He was a third-round pick of the Jaguars several years ago. He's coming off an injury, a bad Achilles injury from last year. He's finally got back to playing last week, and he was only able to go a few plays last week. He got the only sack for the Jaguars officially. One of my favorite players on the team, Dewan Smoot. So that's going to, you know, that's going to basically be the stats. One more critical stat. Forsay to Olicon. Forsay to Olicon. Leading tackler for the Jaguars last year. Leading tackler in the NFL the last two years. Forsay to Olicon. One interception. Ran it back for a touchdown for 24 yards. Jaguars win the football game 31-24. So Olicon's pick six for a touchdown. Christian Kirk's uh, catch and run. I'm going to call it a... uh, Pass and catch with uh, Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback. is kind of play and catch, pass and catch. And then Christian Kirk did the rest, 44 yards on that touchdown play. And that's it. Jacksonville Jaguars 31, New Orleans Saints 24. Jaguars improved to 5-2. and two. Now, here's an impressive stat I'm going to give you. Jacksonville Jaguars now are 3-0 and on the road. Is that correct? 3-0? An O away from home. One of the one of the games in London was considered a road game. That was a Buffalo game. The Jaguars have beaten Buffalo and Atlanta. They're winning some good non-division games. The New Orleans game was a non-division game. The Jags have swept Indy, and that's the five wins. So I've given you my opinion on how I feel about players. I I know Trayvon Walker can play better than he's playing, and I hope he will, and I think the coaches still need to utilize him in a better way. So I said it, and that kind of settles it, at least on this show, on this podcast, the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We'll take a look. We still got some high school football. I've got this this pool that I play almost every week, and we'll talk about the the pool, there's a few college games on the pool and all the NFL games, and we'll talk about it. I think this is the wrong – oh, here we go. Here we go. This is the right one. This is the one for this week. This is going to be – I was looking at week five. This is week seven. I got got week seven, college games for this week. We got to do this relatively in a hurry because, you know, college games will be kicking off here in the next two or three hours as we're recording this podcast on Saturday morning, October the 21st. Let's process this segment and we'll be back. We'll talk college football, high school football and North Florida entertainment coming up as the teal shirt report podcast continues.
Okay, we're absolutely uh, talking football on the podcast. Let's let's hit high school, and then we'll go to uh, some some college football. Talk about the SEC. Florida coming off that big win over South Carolina. Let me talk about the Florida win over South Carolina. South Carolina game went back and forth. I think they started out seven seven, but it seemed like South Carolina kept the lead most of the game. In the fourth quarter, I'm looking at the score. I didn't get a, I didn't really get a good chance of to watch this game in real time. Most of it, um, where I was, I was unable to watch the game during part of the game. I was looking at the score on my phone, and all of a sudden, I said, "Man, Florida's getting beat, uh, thirty-seven to twenty-seven, like early, early to mid fourth quarter." Then all of a sudden, I. Several minutes later, I'm thinking, man, this is going to be tough to lose at South Carolina. Then I go back to my phone, and all of a sudden, Florida's got the lead. They they scored a touchdown late in the game. Great pass by Graham Mertz, who had really a good day, the Florida Gator quarterback. And all of a sudden, Florida's leading 41-39. When the Gators were losing by 10 points in the fourth quarter, 37-27, I thought about my dad. And I even had kind of a subconscious conversation with dad. My dad passed away about almost three years ago or about three years ago. And by the way, my brother has a, has a zero Ridley Jersey. I thought I'd throw that in since we're talking family here. <laughs> the leech. Oh uh, man. And that's good. That's good. Ridley, man, Ridley, that's a good jersey to have a zero, right? So I'm 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 kind of subconsciously having my conversation with dad because let, let me let me say this. It's not a crazy thing because my dad and I were so involved, especially when I was a kid, involved in, you know, following Florida Gator football, all sports, but particularly Florida Gator football when I was a kid and you know, throughout my teenage years and throughout my entire life. So we're we're losing by 10 points, 37 to 27. I thought about my life the other day, and you know, there's a even though I'm a Florida Gator fan, there's a little bit of Larry Munson in me. Because I listened to Larry Munson for so many years because I was involved with some radio stations that did Georgia Bulldog football. Even though I'm a Florida Gator, a staunch Florida Gator fan. I think Larry Munson's probably one of the best play-by-play guys in college football to ever do it. There's a few other ones that are pretty good, too. But Larry Munson, who sadly passed away, what, 11, 12 years ago, I'm sure his ashes are spread. Some of his ashes, I'm sure, are spread over Sanford Stadium in Athens. Man, we're talking SEC football now, aren't we? I think some of the Ugga dogs are past Ugga mascot dogs for Georgia are either buried at the stadium or maybe their ashes are scattered over there as well. So I'm... I'm obviously thinking about the Gator game. I want the Gators to win in South Carolina so bad. And we're losing 37 to 27. And I'm kind of having this conversation with dad just kind of subconsciously when I was sitting there looking at my phone and just keeping up with the score because I was away from the TV at the present time for a while. I was out going to some, doing some shopping, went to some stores, and I think I bought a pair of shoes that day and some Skechers. 
Ringo Starr, man, he he sold me on Skechers a few years ago. So I'm looking at my phone. We're losing 37-27. All of a sudden, I'm looking at the phone, and we're winning 41-39. I didn't know it, but Graham Mertz had thrown a beautiful touchdown pass. And the receiver made a great catch on it, but, man, it was right there. When I look back at the highlights or the pictures later after this, but I'm, I'm kind of subconsciously talking to dad and I hear dad say, yeah, we're, yeah, we're getting beat. But when I looked at that score and Florida had retaken the lead 41 to 39, and I hear later that coach Steve Spurrier said it was probably the best game that coach Billy Napier's called since he's been at Florida as far as, you know, the play calling. But it's kind of great how sports can do that for people. Even when you have a, a, a loved one that's passed away, you know, as long as two, three years ago, about three years ago, my dad passed away. So for me, that kind of made me feel close to my dad, even though he's he's gone home to be with the Lord up in heaven, watching the game from probably a orange and blue cloud up there with Larry Cole. Jimmy Buffett may be up there too. Uh, he passed away not too long ago. Larry Cole, the, the Jimmy Buffett, a Facebook Big Gator fan and a Popka Blue Daughter fan in high school. And at the high school level, he, uh, Larry Cole, the late Larry Cole, liked the Florida Gators like my dad, but he also liked the Popka. So we'll take a look at some high school scores. You know, we love talking SEC football. It's, you know, it's my my favorite, favorite conference. We'll take a look at high school scores. We'll get we'll take a look at some of today's games and and obviously uh college football. I, I saw on I, I guess it's one of those game day shows before the game starts. I saw Urban Meyer, former Florida Gator coach, former Ohio State coach, former Jacksonville Jaguars coach. And I think he had a lot to do with that 2021 draft players like Tyson Campbell, ETN. Because when Urban Meyer was hired by Sean Conn, I'm sure the question came up with, well, he wanted Urban pretty bad at the time. I'm sure the question came up, well, Urban, who can you work with at GM? Well, we can keep Balky around. That's what I'm telling you. Urban had complete control for a while. He he didn't make it through the entire season, but he was the man for a while, including that 2021 draft. I'm just telling you, that's how it was. That's my that's my take and a strong take. High school football, a lot of games. Uh, I think the Lakeside School took the night off. I sent a text message to Mad Max trying to get the word back on that game. Oh, no, wait a second. They did play. I got something from Ed Max. Oh, it was a Thursday night away game. Same night the Jaguars played. Edgewood beat the Lakeside School from Eufaula, Alabama. Edgewood 7, Lakeside 6. Boy, that was a defensive game. And Mad Max went on to say, I got to tell you this. I got to tell you this, what Mad Max told me. Because he kind of, wait a second now. Wait a second now. Okay. I got to tell this. Mad Max sent me a text message. I thought maybe Lakeside was off. They didn't play Friday, but they played Thursday. This is Lakeside School, the private school up in Eufaula, Alabama. Because we do check North Florida, high school football scores, South Georgia, and a little pocket of South, Southeast Alabama, too. 
So the, the game was Thursday night, October the 19th that Lakeside played in. And the Thursday night away game, Lakeside lost by one point. Edgewood seven, Lakeside six. Matt Max's grandson plays for the Lakeside team, but Edgewood won the game up in Alabama. Edgewood seven, Lakes, the Lakeside school, Lakeside school six. Mad Max uh, in the text message, I'm going to tell it. Mad Max said it's the worst officiating I've ever seen. I'll leave it at that. Okay. I dropped my phone. <laughs> so Edgewood, I, I'm, I'm sad to report that Lakeside, they got a really good high school football team up in Alabama, but they lost Edgewood by one point. Edgewood seven, the Lakeside school six. Thank goodness that wasn't a playoff game with all that bad officiating. Mad Max was telling me about, but now I can relate to it. We've seen that. I'm going to do a whole podcast on NFL officiating and, you know, possible corruption involved in pro sports, the NFL, et cetera. I'm going to leave, I'm going to do like Max said, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Let's take a look at the high school scores. Again, the Lakeside School up in Alabama lost 7-6 to six to, was that Edgewood? And you know, Max, we got a street in Jacksonville. It's called, what is it, Edgewood Avenue? But they're not from Jacksonville. I'm assuming Edgewood's from up in Alabama. Edgewood 7, the Lakeside School 6. Mad Max said the worst officiating he's ever seen. I'll leave it at that. I've never really heard Mad Max complain about officiating that often, so it must have been. Must have been. Let's take a look at some high school scores. My Ed White Commanders defeated Reball. Ed White 28, Reball 20, the final. The Reigns Vikings. These are pretty much all finals now, unless I tell you otherwise. I mean, they, they, they should be finals. Sometimes we get partial scores and don't get anything else after that. Again, my Ed White Commanders 28, the Reball Trojans 20, a final. Reigns Vikings defeated Atlantic Coast. Reigns 29, Atlantic Coast 22. Where my dad went to high school, the Riverside Generals, formerly known as Lee High School. My dad went there when it was Lee High School. I saw that uh, it was some exciting football. I saw a little bit of a replay on one of the the TV channels, local TV channels. It looked like Riverside was getting a safety in this game, I believe it was. And uh, Riverside Generals got a pretty good team. Riverside Generals, formerly Lee High School, 37, the Sandalwood Saints, 7. Westside 55, the Inglewood Rams uh, 6. That's actually the last score I had on that one was a fourth, fourth quarter score, but obviously not in doubt. The Westside 55, Inglewood Rams 6 late in the fourth quarter. We'll try to update that and make sure it's final, but that's probably pretty close to final. Westside 55, Inglewood Rams 6 in the fourth quarter on Friday night. First goes 35, Paxson Eagles 6. Final. Pontevedra Sharks, 35, Orange Park Raiders, nothing. St. Augustine could be one of the best teams in the state. St. Augustine beat the Gainesville, Florida Purple Hurricanes. St. Augustine, 56, Gainesville, Florida, nothing. The final, it's an astounding score when you think about it. Gainesville's had a lot of really good teams over the years. Stanton Blue Devils, 42, Harvest Community, 8. Eastside, 43, St. Joseph Academy, nothing. Impact Christian Academy, 34, Wolfson Wolfpack, 16, the final. Union County, Florida, and that is basically the Lake Butler area, not that far from McClenny, but it's it's actually in Union County, which is going to be, I'm sure, bordering Baker County. 
and we we know some people from that area that are actually in our BigJReport.com Facebook group. And again, it was uh, Union County, Florida 42, Santa Fe 7, the final. Clay High School Blue Devils lost to Matanzas, Matanzas 24, Clay High School Blue Devils 21. Um, Baker County from the McClenny area, Baker County, Wildcats 31, Andrew Jackson Tigers 14. That's the oldest school in Jacksonville, the Andrew Jackson Tigers. Baker County 31, Andrew Jackson 14, the final. In a, in a wild one, a lot of points. Creekside 49, Fleming Island 48, the final. A lot of scoring in that one. Uh, Yulee shut down Episcopal. Yulee 33, Episcopal nothing. Uh, Bishop Snyder, Cardinals 45, 7 Bridges. Christian out of Lencanto, Florida 6. I'm not as familiar with that school. 7 Bridges sounds like it should be a school in Jacksonville. But it was Bishop Snyder Cardinals, 45, Seven Bridges, Christian out of Lincanto, Florida, six, a final. Madison County, 29, Oak Leaf, 16, a final. Central Florida score, Orlando Boone, 69, Cypress Creek, nothing, final score. Another Central Florida score, Lake Mary, 49, the late Larry Coles, Apopka Blue Darters, 21. So Lake Mary, 49, Apopka Blue Darters, 21, the final. Uh, Palatka 1, Palatka 29, Fernandina Beach Pirates 16, the final. Middleburg with a long fourth quarter field goal, beat Bishop Kenny. Middleburg 31, Bishop Kenny 28, the final. Middleburg won that game with a long field goal in the fourth quarter. I understand that Bowles and Trinity Christian Academy in Jacksonville are both off this week in high school football. Let's see in some other games. Other games across our, our areas, Hawthorne, who won a state championship last year, they're quietly strong. You don't hear a lot about Hawthorne, but they just keep winning. Hawthorne, 54, North Marion, 8. Uh, Destin has a high school football team. Destin, 20. The Hilliard Flash is 19. Must be a couple of small high schools. Uh, Hilliard from Nassau County. Destin, 20. The Hilliard Flash is 19. The final. Some South Georgia games. Brunswick won their game. and. I don't have the final score. I think Brunswick scored 38 points or so in this one. They won the game over South Effingham, Georgia. So we'll just say Brunswick, Georgia beats South Effingham, Georgia on Friday night, October the 20th of 2023. Brunswick won, as I understand it. We just haven't located the score yet. Brunswick, Georgia now 5-2. and two. South Effingham, I believe, falls to 5-3. and three. Uh, here's a pretty good rivalry in south, uh, south, southeast Georgia, Valdosta 24, the Camden County Georgia Wildcats 21, uh, Glen Academy 22, Evans in Georgia 14, the Stewart Quitman, well, I used to call them the Stewart Quitman Royal Knights. I think they're just now known as Stewart County. Stewart County Georgia Royal Knights 36, uh, Baker County Georgia 34. That was a pretty good game. Stewart County Georgia 36, Baker County Georgia 34, final. Sly County, where my good friend Jim McFather used to coach after he left Randolph Clay. Sly County, 27, Manchester 7, a final. Fitzgerald, also known as the Purple Hurricanes, up in Fitzgerald, Georgia. Fitzgerald, Georgia, 33, the Sumter County Rams, 24, a final. Uh, Seminole County, and I believe they're still known as the Seminole County Indians. Seminole County, 26, the Randolph Clay Red Devils, 6, a final. I did play-by-play at Randolph Clay High School for probably over 10, almost 15 years. 
Seminole County beat them. Seminole County 26, Randolph Clay Red Devils 6. A final on Friday night, October the 20th of 2023. Up and over to the west in that pocket of south, southeast, that pocket of uh, southeast, south Alabama. Max gave me the score on the Lakeside School game. It was a Thursday night game, by the way. One, you know, one night before all these games we're giving you now. Edgewood 7, Lakeside School 6, Lakeside School from Ufall, Alabama. Again, Edgewood 7, Lakeside School 6, a final. Some other uh, scores up and over and to the west in uh, southeast, south Alabama. Ufalla Tigers 1, Ufalla Alabama wins. Ufalla Alabama Tigers 17, Rehoboth 6, a final. Horseshoe Bend 44. Barber County, Alabama, 14. I don't know what it is about Barber County, Alabama's football team, but, man, they don't score many points. But the Ufala Tigers have been traditionally very, very good. Barber County has lost a lot of games. You feel for those players um, and that community. Horseshoe, Ben, 44. Barber County, Alabama, 14, a final. And these are Friday night scores uh, back on October the 21st of 2023. If there's any scores we don't have that you'd like us to add and talk about a particular high school, you can always email me, scott at bigjreport.com. That is scott at bigjreport.com. That's a complete look at not all the high school football scores, but a lot of them from North Florida, South Georgia, even some Central Florida scores, and a pocket of Southeast South Alabama high school football scores from uh, Friday night, October the 20th, I should say. And the Lakeside the Lakeside School game was played on Thursday night, which would have been October the 19th. Edgewood 7, Lake, Lakeside School 6, a final score. That'll do it for high school football. We'll, we'll talk about college football and North Florida Entertainment coming up next as the Teal Shirt Report podcast continues. Okay, um, this is the Jaguars uh, Teal Shirt Report podcast, talking about the Jaguars making sense out of it all here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're saluting uh, Blake Hance, actually, who wears number 73 for the Jaguars, and he has worn other numbers in the past, but he is number 73 on the Jacksonville Jaguars roster. Blake Hance, uh, by the way, out of Northwestern, uh, been with the Jaguars. Uh, this is his third year in the league. Been with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, for two years now. Uh, six foot five, three hundred and ten pounder, out of uh, Northwestern, an active player now in his third season in the NFL. And again, he's about six foot five, six foot five, about uh, three hundred. And 10 pounds, big um, guard who who has played some this year. There's been, you know, there's been a lot of movement across the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line. So we're, we're saluting Blake Hans because he wears number 73. That's Blake Hans. Played his college ball at Northwestern here in the NFL. And he's basically a cup of the Jaguars. But he has seen some action this year. Uh, he's basically a backup offensive guard for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
when we talk about uh, college football, and there was, I mean, there was a lot of college football action on Saturday. As you know, the Jaguars won their game on Thursday, so it's kind of an early week for the Jaguars. Um, we're recording, we're recording uh, this segment of the podcast on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, October the twenty second. bunch of bunch of NFL games are going to kick off, but the Jaguars not playing because they played Thursday. And had the huge win over New Orleans, Jacksonville Jaguars 31, the New Orleans Saints 24, the final score. We will take a look at some college football games. Florida and Georgia were both off with the cocktail party getting closer. It'll be Saturday. It'll actually be Saturday, October the 28th, right here in Jacksonville. And I believe it's a 3.30 kickoff. I'll double check that. We'll even try to check a line on that game. Uh, here in a moment or so. So stick around. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Let's take a look at some Saturday scores of teams that were playing on Saturday, October the 21st. I'm, you know, I'm in one of those uh, uh, football pools where you pick a few college games and you pick basically most all the NFL games. There were seven games in the pool Saturday, and yours truly, the host of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, I went five and two against the spread. I had Ohio State, who was a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Penn State, and they won by eight points. I took Ohio State, and thus I won. How about that? Ohio State 20, Penn State 12. I had Alabama covering the nine-and-a-half-point spread that Alabama was favored by, and they won. They took down Tennessee. Alabama 34, Tennessee 20. Tennessee's uh, losses mounting up a little bit. In the SEC, Tennessee's lost to Florida and Alabama now. I keep I keep thinking that Missouri is going to lose. I never thought Missouri was that good. I thought they might even finish dead last in the Eastern Division, but that's not been the case. They're like, I think, 7-1 and one now. They keep winning. I picked South Carolina to get um, within at least less than seven points of Missouri. Missouri was a seven-point favorite, ranked 20th in the nation, surprisingly. Missouri lost to LSU by 10 points two or three weeks back. I picked LSU to win that game. It's kind of almost like a lock-type game. And somehow LSU did manage to win by 10 points. They were actually trailing to Missouri early in the fourth quarter in that game, but LSU did manage to uh, score some late in the fourth quarter, and they won by 10 points. So that's the only game, as I understand it, that's the only game Missouri has lost all year. I've not been a big believer in Missouri, and what do they do? They just keep going out winning games. I'm really surprised. Missouri 34, South Carolina 12. The Gamecocks season may be running out of gas. Gaylor told me the coach, you know, has uh, has got some apparently got some issues with the team, and I, I think the coach got hurt a little bit. I don't know the exact injury, but but I think he's hurt too. Um, but Missouri, and they were at home. Missouri 34, South Carolina 12. I lost that game. I had picked South Carolina. Missouri favored by seven. I just said, oh, my goodness. Missouri can't keep it going, but but they have. They've only lost to LSU all season. So you got Georgia, Missouri, and Florida kind of near the, the top of the Eastern Division standings now. Um, Ole Miss, let's see, Ole Miss beat Auburn. I picked Ole Miss to win. 
They were leading 28-14 to in the fourth quarter, and then Auburn scored another touchdown to make it close, but Ole Miss was a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I picked Ole Miss to cover that six-and-a-half, and they, they did by seven. They won the game by seven. The spread was six-and-a-half. So Ole Miss wins that one. Ole Miss 28, Auburn 21. I had, I, I, I tell you, I, I really thought Michigan State would give Michigan kind of a game, if nothing else, for bragging rights in the state of Michigan. But, man, Michigan put it on them, man. Almost threw a 50-burger up there. Michigan 49, Michigan State nothing on Saturday, October the 21st. Michigan was a big 24-point favorite. And I like those points, all those points, 24 points that Michigan, Michigan was favored by. So I took Michigan State, and they basically Michigan doubled up the, the spread and won the game uh, 49 to nothing, Michigan 49, Michigan State nothing. Florida State, I took Florida State, even though Dukes had a pretty good team this year. They upset Clemson earlier in the season. Um. Duke beat Clemson by what? A couple of touchdowns, two or three touchdowns. Florida State has beaten Clemson. Uh, in this one, Florida State was a 13 and a half point favorite. I picked Florida State to cover that, and they did. They got a touchdown somewhere, I think, early in the fourth, early to mid fourth quarter, and got the game over the spread, covered the spread. Florida State won that game. Florida State's still undefeated, right? Is that amazing to say? Florida State 38, Duke 20. I've told everyone that I could ever talk to about Florida State, and I'm a, I'm a Florida Gator fan, but I'll tell you, before they hired Mike Norvell, I said, that's the guy you want to hire. Uh, Taggart was definitely a mistake by the Seminoles to hire him. But what's happened is Mike Norvell has ever so gradually improved this team and battled through the COVID year, and there was even a, a Florida State-Florida game that was canceled that the Gators would have really whipped them in. So I think the Seminoles were fortunate to have missed that game. However, I think Florida State's going to be favored against the Gators when that game comes up this year. Florida's got a tough one with Georgia coming up next week on Saturday, October the 28th. We'll try to look at the, the spread on the Florida-Georgia game. Uh, but Florida State Florida State beat Duke, and I'm telling you, Mike Norvell's a good coach. His last year at Memphis State, or I think they're known as Memphis now, Memphis State went. 11 and 1 got an invitation to the Cotton Bowl and about that time that's when Mike Norvell took the Florida State job as Taggart was out and Mike Norvell was in Florida State 38 Duke 20 this has not been an overnight fix of the Florida State program again Mike Norvell has been ever so gradually improving the Florida State football program and look where they are now they're ranked in the top 5 Florida State beat Duke, uh, Florida State 38, Duke 20. How about this one at USC in Los Angeles? Utah kept hanging around, hanging around, and lo and behold, Utah kicked a field goal. Utah led in parts of this game, too, and then USC grabbed the lead, I think, about you know early to mid-fourth quarter. They scored a touchdown, but... They were only leading 32-31. Utah had a final drive where they were moving the ball down the field, and they they finally won the game with a field goal. I think the field goal was a little less than 40 yards, maybe 37, 38-yard kick. And 
as the time was kind of winding down with just a few seconds left to go in the game, Utah kicks a field goal late in the fourth quarter to win that game, Utah 34, USC 32. As most of you know by now, UCF, Central Florida Knights have moved into the Big 12. Oklahoma is still there in the Big 12, but they're moving to the SEC with Texas next year. Oklahoma squeaked out a win over UCF, and Oklahoma's leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, but UCF got their shot at the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma only won the game by two points. And you got to give Gus Malzahn and, and, and the Central Florida Knights credit. They battled Oklahoma tooth and nail, lost by two points. Oklahoma 31 and UCF 29 the final. So that's just a you know a, a handful of the games. Oklahoma, UCF was not part of the pool I was in. So I gave you the, the seven pool games, and then we've talked about Oklahoma 31, UCF 29, the final score. We're going to check uh, North Florida Entertainment uh, coming up. We're also going to take a look at this line. Let's take a look at the line on the Georgia-Florida game, which is coming up next week right here in my hometown, Jacksonville, Florida. It's been in Jacksonville for years and years and years, except when they were – building the stadium for the Jaguars, and it was a home home and away. Spurrier hung 50 on Georgia up in Athens. And the Bulldog fans, I don't think they've forgotten that. But, you know, Spurrier also said that Georgia hung 75 points on Ray Graves, his old coach at one time. So there's kind of two parts, kind of two parts of the story. And, you know, as time goes on, these games that are played way back when, Sometimes people forget about him. You know, people that remember those games are getting older like myself. So what I've got to say is that, you know, every action sometimes comes with a reaction. Spurrier knows that when his coach, Ray Graves for Florida, who passed away just, a, you know, I think a handful of years ago, uh, Georgia hung 75 on, on Ray Graves. As the Spurriers said, well, we're playing up in Athens. We might just hang 50 on them, and and they did. What a rivalry, though. One of the best rivalries in college football. What are the best rivalries in Okay, so somebody was knocking on the door at Studio B here. I think my sandwich delivery arrived. How about, how about those those apples? So the best rivalries in college football for me personally, because I grew up in Jacksonville. For me, it's Georgia, Florida, Florida, Georgia, if you will. I know there's bigger rivalries out there. The big ones I remember growing up, Auburn, Alabama, Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Michigan, Army, Navy is – Super big, as you know. Texas, Oklahoma, not as big for me, but very big for that part of the country. In the Ivy League, obviously, it's Yale and Harvard. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of big rivalries out there. The Florida-Georgia, Georgia-Florida rivalry is the biggest one for me. It is bigger than Florida-Florida State. I hate to say that to the Seminole fans, but it's still, you know, Florida-Florida State still a big rivalry. It really is. Florida leads the all-time series in that one. but there's some big rivalries out there. I mean, if you look at Georgia, like Mad Max, our Georgia Bulldog, um, our Georgia Bulldog football insider, I know that Mad Max would probably say, hey, Georgia Auburn's big. Georgia Florida's big. 
Um, I don't know. I'm going to have to ask Max that. I'm going to ask Max, Max that question. What's the biggest rivalries for Georgia? And Georgia Tech's in there somewhere, too. I think Georgia-Tennessee is probably a bigger rivalry for Georgia the last several years than maybe it was at one time. Um, but, you know, for Georgia, I'm thinking it's Florida, um, Auburn. You know, I, I think actually, if I'm not mistaken, Georgia's been actually playing Auburn for even more years than Georgia's been playing Florida. The Georgia-Auburn game at one time was played in Columbus, Georgia, for years and years and years. I, I have to look up when they ended that that affiliation of playing the game in Columbus, Georgia, which much must have been the 1950s or early 60s, even before I was born. But for Georgia, it's got to be probably Auburn first is the number one rival, Florida, and then Georgia Tech. But I'll ask Mad Max or Georgia Bulldog football insider. It might be a good question to ask him when I'm uh, tuning in to the madmaxmix.weebly.com. And next time I'm interviewed by Max, I'm going to ask him that question. Or maybe we'll ask him that perhaps off the air. So we wanted to take a look at the, before my sandwich arrived and somebody was knocking on my door, um, we were going to take a look at the line of the Georgia-Florida game, which is going to be played on Saturday. Uh, It's actually October the 28th, Saturday, October the 28th of 2023. Let's take a look at the line. Ole Miss with a big win. You know, there was a, you know, I didn't realize it was so much kind of. I think there's a little bit of bad blood between Lane Kiffin and and um, you know the old Mississippi, the old old Miss coach who's now at Auburn and he went to Liberty. Hugh Freeze. I think there was a little bit of bad blood between Hugh Freeze and and Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss won the game over Auburn. The game was played at Auburn, so that's a good win for Ole Miss. Ole Miss twenty eight. Auburn, uh, 21. Uh, we are going to – we've been kind of remiss in putting together our BigJReport.com SEC power rankings, and we're going to do that most likely on the very next podcast. Uh, this uh, particular podcast is episode show number 73, so we'll put that together on the next episode 74 coming up. Let's pull up the line on uh, on Georgia-Florida. And see what the line is. I got an idea of what it is, but hey, let's go right to the the info. Florida, Georgia. The Georgia Bulldogs 7-0. Florida Gators 5-2 overall. Um, Georgia is, at this moment, a 17, and I, I, I'll repeat it, a 17-and-a-half point favorite. Georgia is a 17-and-a-half point favorite. And I was commenting commenting in the BigJReport.com Facebook group that, hey, for Florida to win the game, it's not out of the question. It is absolutely not out of the question that they could they could win this game. They need a lot of Apple turnovers, turnovers from the Georgia offense. Florida's going to need two or three big Apple turnovers. Florida's got to get the running game going, and they got to play. Their defense has to come to play. They have to play really good defense. Not only get Apple turnovers, play really good defense, get the running game going. The quarterback has to play well. But you're also going to need two or three big plays by the Florida Gator offense to have a chance to win this game. 
I think I threw a, a pick up. I don't know if I'll stand by this pick yet, but, man, wouldn't it be great if Florida won this game 28-27? Georgia has not lost. They're 7-0. and They've won consecutive national championships. So where do you go with Georgia other than you're an underdog? Florida Gators are a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. Um, a source of virus who picks games says Georgia will win and cover the spread. Man, that's going to be a beating from Kirby. Kirby Smart, the head coach of Georgia, they got a beating plan for the Gators. And that game is coming up on Saturday, October the 28th. Got the kickoff time. It is going to be played. Some people are still calling it TIAA Bank Field, but no, it's actually Everbank Stadium now, as we know. Georgia Bulldogs play the Florida Gators in the annual Georgia-Florida-Florida-Georgia Florida, Georgia game Saturday, October the 28th, 2023. Kickoff will be at 3.30 p.m. It is a big one. It is the big one in my mind. But Georgia is a 17-and-a-half-point favorite. In a perfect world, Florida gets the apple turnovers. <laughs> the running backs play well. They get the running game going on the Georgia defense. Uh I mean, Mertz is coming off, Graham Mertz is coming off a great game where he threw for like over 400 yards against South Carolina. But this was South Carolina. South Carolina got beat this week by Missouri, 34 to 12. But this is Georgia. Georgia's the number one ranked team in the nation. They're coming up two straight national championships. Florida is the ultimate underdog. Georgia's a 17 and a half point favorite. So that's a look at um, some college football. We'll check North Florida Entertainment coming up next. You're tuned in to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. This is episode show number 73. <music> Okay, I'm I am plan gonna work on the uh, bigjreport.com SEC power rankings. Been a lot of games played. Georgia's seven and zero. Florida's five and two. You got teams in between, uh, obviously in between Georgia and Florida, Tennessee and Texas A and M. Tennessee beat Texas A and M a couple of weeks ago. Jimbo's been doing the limbo, and we're gonna pull out the old. We're gonna put together the. Uh, BigJReport.com SEC Power Rankings and get them on our next podcast, episode show number 74. That is a definite. Taking a look at uh, North Florida Entertainment. Let's take a look at some uh, North Florida Entertainment, give you some shows coming up. I see the Jacksonville Icemen getting ready to start their season. And that's going to be extremely exciting at the uh, the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. Jacksonville Icemen, you know, they've been around here for you know, since they made the move from, uh, you know, they were playing up around, where were they playing? Evansville. They're from uh, Evansville, kind of near the Kentucky-Indiana border, and then they moved to Jacksonville, become the Jacksonville Iceman about six, almost seven years ago. We we still owe it to you and owe it to the Iceman. And plus, I'd love to do an interview with Bob Arabolo, one of the guys in the management uh, part of the Jacksonville Iceman because they've been really a good part of uh, the Jacksonville, Florida community. Iceman Hockey, we're going to be talking about it. And um, I did see that uh, there's a game coming up uh, November the 2nd. 
I see a game on the schedule. Let's see. Let's take a look at these some of these games coming up for uh, uh, 2023. The South Carolina Stingrays will play on Thursday, November the 2nd. Uh, tickets on sale now. Jacksonville Iceman tickets. South Carolina Stingrays at the Jacksonville Iceman. That's going to be on November the 2nd. That is actually a Thursday morning kind of matinee game at 10.30 a.m. Uh, another home game uh, Wednesday evening, November the 8th at 7 o'clock p.m. The Savannah Ghost Pirates, only their second year in the East Coast Hockey League. The Savannah Ghost Pirates come a little bit south to play at the Jacksonville Iceman on Wednesday night, November the 8th at 7 o'clock p.m. So those are the games coming up as the East Coast Hockey League season is getting set to get underway. And we'll keep an eye on the East Coast Hockey League and obviously Jacksonville Iceman Hockey. Uh, I'm going to take a look at uh, some North Florida entertainment uh, for some shows coming up. Uh, there's been some some pretty good shows out there. I know Alice Cooper was in St. Augustine performing at the St. Augustine Amphitheater back on October the 4th of 2023. Local North Florida band Psychic Deli performed at Cliff's Bar and Grill back on Friday the 13th of October of 2023. Uh, local North Florida jam band Late Night Transfer. They got a show coming up. This show is actually coming up as local North Florida jam band Late Night Transfer will be doing a show on November the 4th at uh, a new venue, Bedlam, on Mayport Road. And again, that is going to be on November the 4th. So if you want to see the local North Florida Jam Band Late Night Transfer doing a show, it'll be on November the 4th at new venue, Bedlam, on Mayport Road. That's going to be right in and around the Atlantic Beach, Florida area right here in Northeast Florida. Also, Pink Floyd tribute band Brett Floyd coming to the iconic Florida Theater. Is the Florida Theater now opening back up after about three months or so of uh, revamping and renovations? I think they completely overhauled the heating and air conditioning system and, you know, did some more uh, integral things uh, inside the, the iconic Florida Theater. They still have that vintage Florida Theater look on the outside. I really have enjoyed most all the shows I've ever, whenever I've gone to the Florida Theater, I've seen some great shows like the Alan Parsons Project. I've seen Night Ranger over there, Kenny G, Boss Skaggs, um, seen Natalie Merchant. I've seen some good shows in the Florida Theater. Great place to watch a show, too. So, again, Pink Floyd. Um, Okay, um, this is the Jaguars uh, Teal Shirt Report podcast, talking about the Jaguars making sense out of it all here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. We're saluting uh, Blake Hans, actually, who wears number 73 for the Jaguars, and he has worn other numbers in the past, but he is number 73 on the Jacksonville Jaguars roster. Blake Hans, uh, by the way, out of Northwestern. Uh, been with the Jaguars. Uh, this is his third year in the league. Been with the Jacksonville Jaguars, I believe, for two years now. Uh, six foot five, 310 pounder out of uh, Northwestern. An active player now in his third season in the NFL. And again, he's about six foot five, six foot five, about uh, 300 pounds. 
and 10 pounds big uh, guard who who has played some this year there's been you know there's been a lot of movement across the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line so we're we're saluting Blake Hans because he wears number 73 that's Blake Hans played his college ball at Northwestern here in the NFL and he's basically a cup on the Jaguars but he has seen some action this year uh, he's basically a backup offensive guard for the Jacksonville Jaguars when we talk about uh, college football, and there was, I mean, there was a lot of college football action on Saturday. As you know, the Jaguars won their game on Thursday, so it's kind of an early week for the Jaguars. Um, we're recording, we're recording uh, this segment of the podcast on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, October the twenty-second. bunch of bunch of NFL games are going to kick off, but the Jaguars not playing because they play Thursday. And had the huge win over New Orleans. Jacksonville Jaguars 31, the New Orleans Saints 24, the final score. We will take a look at some college football games. Florida and Georgia were both off with the cocktail party getting closer. It'll be Saturday. It'll actually be Saturday, October the 28th, right here in Jacksonville. And I believe it's a 3.30 kickoff. I'll double check that. We'll even try to check a line on that game. Uh, here in a moment or so. So stick around. You're listening to the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Let's take a look at some Saturday scores of teams that were playing on Saturday, October the 21st. I'm, you know, I'm in one of those uh, uh, football pools where you pick a few college games and you pick basically most all the NFL games. There were seven games in the pool Saturday. And yours truly, the host of the Teal Shirt Report podcast, I went five and two against the spread. I had Ohio State, who was a four-and-a-half-point favorite over Penn State, and they won by eight points. I took Ohio State, and thus I won. How about that? Ohio State 20, Penn State 12. I had Alabama covering the nine-and-a-half-point spread that Alabama was favored by, and they won. They took down Tennessee, Alabama 34, Tennessee 20. Tennessee's uh, losses mounting up a little bit. In the SEC, Tennessee's lost to Florida and Alabama now. I keep I keep thinking that Missouri is going to lose. I never thought Missouri was that good. I thought they might even finish dead last in the Eastern Division, but that's not been the case. They're like, I think, 7-1 now. They keep winning. I picked South Carolina to get um, within at least less than seven points of Missouri. Missouri was a seven-point favorite, ranked 20th in the nation, surprisingly. Missouri lost to LSU by 10 points two or three weeks back. I picked LSU to win that game. It's kind of almost like a lock-type game. And somehow LSU did manage to win by 10 points. They were actually trailing to Missouri early in the fourth quarter in that game. But LSU did manage to uh, score some late in the fourth quarter. And they won by 10 points. So that's the only game, as I understand it, that's the only game Missouri has lost all year. I've not been a big believer in Missouri, and what do they do? They just keep going out winning games. I'm really surprised. Missouri 34, South Carolina 12. The Gamecocks season may be running out of gas. Gaylor told me the coach, you know, has uh, has got some apparently got some issues with the team, and I, I think the coach got hurt a little bit. I don't know the exact injury, but but I think he's hurt too. Um, but Missouri, and they were at home. 
Missouri 34, South Carolina 12. I lost that game. I had picked South Carolina. Missouri favored by seven. They just said, oh, my goodness. Missouri can't keep it going, but but they have. They've only lost to LSU all season. So you got Georgia, Missouri, and Florida kind of near the, the top of the Eastern Division standings now. Um, Ole Miss, let's see, Ole Miss beat Auburn. I picked Ole Miss to win. They were leading 28-14 to 14 in the fourth quarter, and then Auburn scored another touchdown to make it close, but Ole Miss was a six-and-a-half-point favorite. I picked Ole Miss to cover that six-and-a-half, and they, they did by seven. They won the game by seven. The spread was six-and-a-half. So Ole Miss wins that one. Ole Miss 28, Auburn 21. I, had, I, I, I tell you, I, I really thought Michigan State would give Michigan – Kind of a game, if nothing else, for bragging rights in the state of Michigan. But, man, Michigan put it on them, man. Almost threw a 50-burger up there. Michigan 49, Michigan State nothing on Saturday, October the 21st. Michigan was a big 24-point favorite. And I like those points, all those points, 24 points that Michigan, Michigan was favored by. So I took Michigan State and... Basically, Michigan doubled up the, the spread and won the game uh, 49 to nothing. Michigan 49, Michigan State nothing. Florida State, I took Florida State, even though Dukes had a pretty good team this year. They upset Clemson earlier in the season. Um, Duke beat Clemson by what? A couple of touchdowns, two or three touchdowns. Florida State has beaten Clemson. Uh, in this one, Florida State was a 13-and-a-half point favorite. I picked Florida State to cover that, and they did. They got a touchdown somewhere, I think, early in the fourth, early to mid-fourth quarter, and got the game over the spread, covered the spread. Florida State won that game. Florida State still undefeated, right? Is that amazing to say? Florida State 38, Duke 20. I've told everyone that I could ever talk to about Florida State, and I'm a, I'm a Florida Gator fan, but I'll tell you, before they hired Mike Norvell, I said, that's the guy you want to hire. Uh, Taggart was definitely a mistake by the Seminoles to hire him. But what's happened is Mike Norvell has ever so gradually improved this team and battled through the COVID year. And there was even a, a Florida State-Florida game that was canceled that the Gators would have really whipped them in. So I think the Seminoles were fortunate to have missed that game. However, I think Florida State's going to be favored against the Gators when that game comes up this year. Florida's got a tough one with Georgia coming up next week on Saturday, October the 28th. We'll try to look at the, the spread on the Florida-Georgia game. Uh, but Florida State Florida State beat Duke. And I'm telling you, Mike Norvell's a good coach. His last year at Memphis State, or I think they're known as Memphis now, Memphis State went... 11 and 1 got an invitation to the Cotton Bowl, and about that time, that's when Mike Norville took the Florida State job. As Taggart was out, and Mike Norville was in. Florida State 38, Duke 20. This has not been an overnight fix of the Florida State program. Again, Mike Norville has been ever so gradually improving the Florida State football program, and look where they are now. They're ranked in the top five. Florida State beat Duke. Uh, Florida State 38, Duke 20. How about this one? At USC in Los Angeles, Utah kept hanging around, hanging around. And lo and behold, Utah kicked a field goal. 
Utah led in parts of this game, too, and then USC grabbed the lead. Think about, you know, early to mid-fourth quarter, they scored a touchdown, but they were only leading 32-31. Utah had a final drive where they were moving the ball down the field, and they, they finally won the game with a field goal. I think the field goal was a little less than 40 yards, maybe 37, 38-yard kick. And as the time was kind of winding down, with just a few seconds left to go in the game, Utah kicks a field goal late in the fourth quarter to win that game. Utah 34, USC 32. As most of you know by now, UCF, Central Florida Knights, have moved into the Big 12. Oklahoma is still there in the Big 12, but they're moving to the SEC with Texas next year. Oklahoma squeaked out a win over UCF. And Oklahoma's leaving the Big 12 to go to the SEC, but UCF got their shot at the Oklahoma Sooners. Oklahoma only won the game by two points. And you got to give Gus Malzahn and, and, and the Central Florida Knights credit. They battled Oklahoma tooth and nail, lost by two points. Oklahoma 31 and UCF 29 the final. So that's just a, you know, a, a handful of the games. Oklahoma UCF was not part of the pool I was in. So I gave you the, the seven pool games, and then we talked about Oklahoma 31, UCF 29, the final score. We're going to check uh, North Florida Entertainment uh, coming up. We're also going to take a look at this line. Let's take a look at the line on the Georgia-Florida game, which is coming up next week right here in my hometown, Jacksonville, Florida. It's been in Jacksonville for years and years and years, except when they were building the stadium for the Jaguars, and it was a home home and away. Spurrier hung 50 on Georgia up in Athens. And the Bulldog fans, I don't think they've forgotten that. But, you know, Spurrier also said that Georgia hung 75 points on Ray Graves, his old coach at one time. So there's kind of two parts, kind of two parts to the story. And, you know, as time goes on, these games that are played way back when, Sometimes people forget about him. You know, people that remember those games are getting older like myself. So what I've got to say is that, you know, every action sometimes comes with a reaction. Spurrier knows that when his coach, Ray Graves, from Florida, who passed away just, you know, I think a handful of years ago, uh, Georgia hung 75 on, on Ray Graves. Spurrier said, well, we're playing up in Athens. We might just hang 50 on them, and and they did. What a rivalry, though. One of the best rivalries in college football. What are the best rivalries? Yeah. Okay, yeah, just put it on the uh, kitchen table or, or wherever you want to put it. I appreciate it. Yeah, I had a good wig, I mean. 
Okay, talking about um, North Florida Entertainment here on the Teal Shirt Report podcast. You know, as you know, Brent Floyd, you know, a pretty good band. They're going to be, you know, actually, uh, it's a tribute, tribute band of Pink Floyd's. Tribute band, Pink Floyd tribute band, Brent Floyd coming to the iconic Florida Theater on Saturday night, November the 18th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. Also, A.J. Croce, the son of the late Jim Croce, A.J. Croce will be performing Saturday evening, November the 25th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. A lot of great songs, Time in a Bottle. Um, all, many, many great, uh, Jim Croce songs. Maybe he does bad, bad Leroy Brown. Um, I got a name, great Jim Croce song. And AJ is going to do a lot of his dad's old songs. So again, AJ Croce will perform on Saturday evening, November the 25th of 2023 at eight o'clock PM at the Florida theater in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Also, Kansas uh, from Dust in the Wind fame coming to North Florida in just a few months or a few weeks. Kansas playing the Florida Theater on Friday night, January the 12th of 2024 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. Gladys Knight, Gladys Knight performing on February the 13th of 2024 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater here in Jacksonville, Florida. Also, local North Florida band, uh, local North Florida jam band, Late Night Transfer, doing a show on November the 4th at New Venue Bedlam on Mayport Road in the Atlantic Beach, Florida area. Again, Pink Floyd tribute band, Brett Floyd, coming to the iconic Florida Theater on Saturday night, November the 18th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. A.J. Croce, the son of the late Jim Croce. A.J. Croce will be singing a lot of his songs, a lot of his dad's songs. A.J. Croce performing on Saturday evening, November the 25th of 2023 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Kansas from Dust in the Wind fame coming to North Florida in just a few months, a few weeks. Kansas playing the Florida Theater on Friday night, January the 12th of 2024 at 8 o'clock p.m. at the Florida Theater in downtown Jacksonville, Florida. Gladys Knight performing on February the 13th of 2024 at 8 o'clock p.m. also at the Florida Theater uh, here in Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Jacksonville Iceman. We got some November. I got some absolutely some uh, November games uh, coming up uh, here in uh, Jacksonville, Florida. The hockey season getting underway. Uh, North Florida for the Jacksonville Iceman. Uh, North Florida's hockey team. The Jacksonville Iceman have been here in Jacksonville six, almost seven years now. The Jacksonville Iceman on uh, Thursday morning. Played November the 2nd, Thursday morning, November the 2nd at 10.30 a.m. South Carolina Stingrays at the Jacksonville Iceman. And a newcomer to the league, the Savannah Ghost Pirates. This is their second year in the East Coast Hockey League. They were a new team last year in the uh, 2022-2023 season. This will be their second year now in the 2023-2024 season, the 2023-24 season. Savannah Ghost Pirates will be in Jacksonville to play the Iceman. That'll be at the Vice Star Veterans Memorial Arena. 
in Jacksonville, Florida. Savannah goes Pirates at the Jacksonville Iceman on Wednesday evening, November the 8th at 7 o'clock p.m. So those are some of the games coming up in November uh, for your Jacksonville Iceman. So that's a look at some North Florida entertainment, some shows, not only some not only some shows, but uh, the Iceman um, getting their East Coast Hockey League uh, season underway. And they're going to play a lot of hockey in November and throughout the uh, 2023-24 East Coast Hockey League season. Special thanks to our sponsors, Saucerility and Capital, LakeUfallahits.com, great internet radio where it's all good, the Mad Max Mix, .weebly.com, and the XFLToday.net. want to thank all of our sponsors. Larry with Saucerility and Capital, thank you so very, very much. Special thanks to our producers, our executive producer, JC, also our uh, producer, Alex Nunry. And a special thank you to um, John Gaylor, our correspondent, contributor, and supporter of our podcast. John Gaylor, thank you very, very much. Thank you. And this has been episode show number 73 of the Teal Shirt Report podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll have episode show number 74 coming up in just a few hours or perhaps tomorrow when you tune in or the day after. We got new content coming real soon, as you know, right here at the Teal Shirt Report podcast, the Teal Shirt Report podcast network. And thank you for listening. I'm your host, Scott, and I'm out until next time. Have a great day. Thank you.